Hey y'all, welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. Today in episode 47, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite OG botanicals, ginger root, and we are going to be discussing how to support the large intestines from a Chinese medicine standpoint. So we will start with our fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. The knowledge bites portion of the show will be taking a little bit deeper of a dive of the large intestines um, from a Chinese medicine viewpoint. And then the botanical brie section of the show, I will discuss all things ginger root because I know a lot of people love turmeric. However, turmeric is a part of the ginger family. So pay some respect to your elders. So let's get into it, gang. Now it's that time for your fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. Did you know that Starbucks sells about 20 million pumpkin spice lattes every year? So I give this fun fact because we are in the season of warming herbs, all things pumpkin and cinnamon, right? And so ginger is kind of in that family as well. But what's interesting to note is that the pumpkin spice flavor profile, it's actually, it's been around for centuries and the earliest known pumpkin spice references all the way back to like 1675 where there was peppers and cloves and nutmeg and cinnamon. And so other recipes also would contain ginger and allspice. And this blend that was created is what kind of created the pumpkin pie blend. And when the pumpkin spice latte originally was released, it did not contain any pumpkin. And then in 2015, they added it, which is I think just interesting to note, the guy Peter Dukes, he is the one who is famous for creating the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. He, at the time, was the company's director of espresso, so we love that for him because we love espresso, and his department was actually responsible for also creating the eggnog latte and the peppermint mocha latte, and they were testing out what recipes to use. And what had happened was the Starbucks team actually poured espresso on top of like literal pumpkin pies, and they wanted to be sure that they had the right spice blend to make that coffee kind of have some good accents. And then they ended up using the recipe with cinnamon, clove, and nutmeg, and that's how the pumpkin spice latte came to be. Now, I say this fun fact because we know the pumpkin spice latte is not really one of the most Brianna-approved things out there. However, it is natural this time of the year to be craving more warming and circulating botanicals and foods, right? Eating with the seasons is very popular in Ayurvedic medicine. So that is why we are going to talk about ginger root and how you can add that into your routine this time of the year. But let's get into our knowledge bite section of the show, because as we know, knowledge is your brain's favorite food. So in this Knowledge Bite section of of the show, we are going to be talking about our large intestines from a traditional Chinese medicine standpoint, or TCM, if you hear me say that as a shorthand. And as a quick little refresher, we do know that in Chinese medicine, they view the body as sort of this whole state of unity and connection. There's really no such thing as separation, which that is kind of what we do in Western medicine. So there, there is really no, no idea of separation there. It's really this like team effort. And it recognizes 
five major organ systems within the body. And within each organ system, there is a yin and a yang organ. So they're generally like paired up together. And I've done separate episodes on this, but as a quick refresher, we know that the heart and small intestines go together, the spleen and the stomach, the lung and the large intestines, which is what's actually happening this time of the year in autumn. And then the kidney and the bladder go together and the liver and the gallbladder go together. And in Chinese medicine, they refer to qi, right? Which that is what needs to flow freely through the body to kind of help maintain balance or homeostasis or your true North Star, call it whatever you want. And as we know, autumn is associated with the element of metal. I actually, I think I talked about that on last week's episode or whenever that was released. And the organs of autumn are the lung and the large intestines. And they have this really important energetic relationship. Physically, we know the lungs are related to respiratory function, but they also manage and distribute all of the body's chi. And the lungs are considered to be a yin organ, and the yang organ here is the large intestines. And we also know that the the large intestines and its connection relative to the lungs can be seen in not only our immune system health, but in our skin health. And when we talk about emotions associated with each organ, we know that the large intestines deals with sadness and grief, and it also deals with letting go. And if there's any kind of internal imbalances, whether that's, you know, emotionally or um, from a more anatomical standpoint, right? Like we are not actually letting go of the food that we eat that's been compacted in the colon. If our bowels are stuck, this can be manifested as imbalances in the large intestines. And the large intestines channel, especially from an acupuncture, acupressure standpoint, deals a lot with issues in general relative to the lower intestines, what's going on with your gut mobility, as well as your ability to eliminate. So how are your bowels functioning? So its role, like I said, is to kind of eliminate waste from the body, physical waste, but also emotional waste. So if you do have something like, let's say, chronic constipation or irregular bowel movements, you might be needing to show your large intestines a little bit more support. And when we are in a healthy, balanced state, what happens is the large intestines basically receives all the byproducts of digested food, and those nutrients have basically been extracted from the upper GI tract and the small intestines. Then we absorb the nutrients, and then those remaining fluids are kind of you know used to create this stool, which we ideally should be able to eliminate regularly, right? So ridding the body of waste and toxins and byproducts that it doesn't need. So in this sense, the colon kind of controls what stays and what goes and how frequently it is time to let go of things in the body. And of all the meridians, as we also know, according to the Chinese body clock, there's sort of a quote, high tide, if you will, a peak in terms of when qi is rising or most active in the body. And the lungs is most active between 3 and 5 a.m., but the large intestines is most active between 5 and 7 a.m. So this is sometimes people do and should ideally have bowel movements first thing in the morning when they're waking up. So this is when you should be giving your body some time to honor releasing things that don't serve you. 
And as far as the large intestines go, when she is flowing smoothly, we know that disposition-wise, from a Chinese medicine standpoint, this can look like somebody who is maybe easygoing and they're capable of going with the flow. They can kind of release stress from their life. Maybe they have some creative outlets and expression. They're not they're not ones to necessarily, quote, hold things in. So they really just, they're more inclined to sort of, you know, surrender and be open to releasing and change. And then imbalances in the large intestines from a Chinese emotional temperament standpoint, this could look like somebody who maybe has a constant need to be in control of every single thing in their life. They are super dogmatic and uh, maybe stubborn. They have this inability to kind of release. And think about that. If you have a personality that's super clenched up and like very tight and that manifests as constipation in you, right? And when someone is constipated, they're trying to force things and it, it seems like it's really a struggle. So it, it does kind of make sense. And so if somebody has these tendencies of being very controlling and maybe they hold grudges or they hoard things in their life or they have this tendency of not letting go or maybe they also have uh, this this grief that they're having a tough time or sadness, right? Because the lungs and the large intestines do go hand in hand together. If there's, um, you know, emotional distress or uh, anything that could, again, potentially be negatively impacting GI function, then we have to look at what is going on with the large intestines. Also, again, if we're seeing things like constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, hemorrhoids, diarrhea, uh, colitis, these are all things as well that can deal with the overall health of what's going on with the colon. And again, because the large intestine does have a relationship with the lungs, we know that both of these can play a role in what's going on with our skin health. So if there are also things like acne or psoriasis or flare-ups, this can be a result of the inability to have a healthy integrity of the colon membrane. So sometimes we do want to look at if there is skin issues going on. If we're having problems eliminating, this might manifest as potentially skin irritation on the cheek and jawline, uh, anywhere, again, that can kind of be related to elimination. So in order to support the large intestines, a couple things you can do. Number one, drink plenty of water. This is important for peristalsis, those wave-like contractions that kind of help get things out of the body. Uh, emotionally, we want to focus on clearing excess and releasing. So again, in Chinese medicine, if we have that internal stagnation, if there's any kind of blockages in our life, even quite literally in your physical space, like in your house, in your environment, clutter, mental clutter, physical clutter, internal, right? Anything that's going to kind of energetically back us up, we need to work on that. So clear out uh, a corner in your house somewhere or work on cleaning out your closet, get rid of one new article of clothing a week, just something that's going to kind of help clear out excess, right? Because that kind of translates over to what we're doing from a physiological standpoint. And then also releasing, which is sort of that emotional undercurrent in the fall anyway. So releasing grudges, releasing limiting beliefs, releasing resentments, things that just, again, really are not serving us 
Uh, maybe that's relationships, friendships, whatever it is. So, And you can choose to release that however you want. You can write things down on a piece of paper and then burn it and tear it up. You can um, do like a little ritual and burn some sage or palo santo. You could flush it down the toilet, right, which is symbolic and especially in honoring the large intestines. And then lastly, using some herbs to support the large intestines and digestion in general. So things like ginger, which we will talk about in a second, fennel, cinnamon, rosemary, peppermint, cardamom, all these things, again, that are very warming and circulatory in nature this time of year. So that's your little spin on Chinese medicine and the large intestines. Now for the last segment of the show, we are going to get into the botanical brie section, which is going to do a little bit deeper of a dive into ginger. So in Ayurveda, they actually call ginger the universal medicine, and it's a part of the plant family that also includes things like cardamom and turmeric. I love ginger. Like I was joking in the beginning of the show, everybody talks about turmeric all the time, but Ginger and turmeric are very similar in not only some of their active constituents, but a lot of the same mechanisms of actions that they have as far as being able to modulate inflammatory compounds, have antioxidant properties. One of the main differences is, you know, in turmeric, obviously curcumin is one of those active compounds and ginger, gingerols are one of the active compounds, but we'll talk about that in a second. Interesting to note, my mom was a history teacher, so I feel like I have to always kind of give some history fun facts. In the 13th and 14th century, the value of a pound of ginger was said to be equivalent to the cost of a sheep. And by medieval times, it was starting to be imported and then they would use it in sweets. And Queen Elizabeth I of England apparently is credited with the invention of the gingerbread man, which became really popular as a Christmas treat. Now, we know we want to always talk about the flavor and energetics of an herb because that is important not only for the how it works in the body, but also for understanding if it's actually a fit for your constitutional type. Ginger is generally a pretty mellow herb where it it does pretty well with everybody, but if you are somebody who potentially is very hot in nature, it might not actually be the herb for you, but we'll talk about that in a second. So the flavor of ginger, right, it's a little bit peppery. It's slightly sweet. It has this really nice, strong, and spicy aroma. There's actually about 115 constituents that are fra- that are found in fresh and dried ginger. And again, gingerols are those major constituents that are found mostly in fresh ginger. However, in dry ginger, there's a little bit less of that. Dry ginger tends to have what's called shogals, which are the main the major gingerol that's in the dehydrated products. So that's kind of the main difference between fresh and dry ginger. Fresh ginger is going to be a little bit more potent. So before we discuss kind of how ginger is used, let's take a step back and look at the energetic qualities. Again, ginger is a warm to hot herb. And it actually can have a tendency towards dryness. Fresh ginger is considered to be more warming. And then dried ginger is actually considered to be hot. So that is important to think about when we are, again, assessing our constitutional type. If you go and drink something like hot ginger tea, 
you will immediately start to feel your like core kind of warm up. And this is an interesting experiment that you can do with fresh ginger and made and then make one with dry ginger. Like you will actually notice the difference. And you could also skip that tea altogether and just literally like take some bites of of fresh ginger and you'll notice the spicy heat that comes with it. And again, yes, it is warming, but it's also aromatic and dispersing. So this is why it can be circulatory in nature. This is why it's used as a catalyst, as it's called in herbalism, in many herbal formulas, because it helps to disperse the other botanicals that are in a formula. And you'll notice pretty quickly after you're drinking like hot ginger tea that the heat in your core, it kind of works outwards. Like it will go from your core to your limbs and your extremities. So this is why it can be very, very good if you are somebody who kind of has a cold disposition. It's again, really warming and it's stimulating and it's got circulatory energy. So it can enhance what they would call quote fire in the body. So that will support digestion and immunity and reproductive health. And because it's warming nature, it's very, very good for people who have kind of cold and damp and stagnant conditions. So ideally suited for people where this sort of there's this sort of like depressed, cramped up, inactive nature in the body. Because what ginger does is it helps to move stagnancy. In Chinese medicine, pain many times, like when we have physical pain, whether that's menstrual pain or, you know, tight muscles or what have you, that can be seen as a symptom of stagnant blood. So symptoms of stagnant blood include pain that can be fixed or, you know, you kind of have like the shooting pain, but also even something like having a bruise because blood is what ultimately is going to carry oxygen and nutrients. So if we're having poor blood flow, that's going to be a problem for pretty much everything in the body. Um, ginger, which is, it's interesting, you can apply it topically, can be used for blood stagnation. And it can also be used for areas where there's stagnant blood in the pelvis. So think about things like if you have uh, painful menstruation, if you get clots and fibroids, it works really, really well if you have menstrual pain. This is something that I will generally use when I am menstruating. Now, again, ginger is really good for people with signs of coldness. So this is a person who maybe they have a very pale face. They might have a very pale tongue. They typically feel colder than other people. They potentially have just a lot of sluggishness, like slow digestion. Maybe they are bloated a lot. They tend towards being more lethargic and a little bit more slow. So... It also works really well when there's signs of heat because it is warming and somewhat drying. But if you already have excess heat in the body or excess dryness, you maybe want to add some other herbs that can be moistening in nature or kind of help to balance it out. But because it does help to kind of relax the muscles and it relaxes the arter- the arteries, it can also stimulate arterial circulation. It's really good for delivering warmth to all of the body's extremities. So if you have cold hands and feet, this will be seen in a lot of formulas for that. I know that I use a lot more ginger in the winter because I tend to have that kind of temperament. 
What's also nice is there are a lot of antimicrobial properties in ginger, so very good to keep around during kind of cold and flu season. It has expectorant properties, which means that it can help to thin mucus and help to support getting it out of the body. Now, this is partially due to the volatile oils that are found in ginger, so they can help to stimulate the immune system. There is a lot of nice antiviral properties in there, particularly by stimulating macrophage activity, so that is a part of that sort of white blood cell protocol from the body. And again, because it acts like a catalyst and a synergist, it really helps to increase the action of other herbs if it's in a formula by enhancing circulation and dilating blood vessels. Again, it's also, I think, really popular as an antispasmatic. We know that many people take it for nausea, motion sickness, morning sickness. Again, it's because of those relaxing aromatic oils that are in there. It's carminative in nature, so really good as a digestive tonic. It can actually bring warmth to the stomach. It can help with bile secretion and fat digestion. It can help move food through the digestive tract, reducing stagnation if you have gas and irritation. So very good as well if you maybe have colic or abdominal pain, um, potentially diarrhea, distension. All of that can be really good for the GI tract. And again, because it is warming and stimulating and antispasmatic, like I said, very good for um, helping with menstrual cramps. And it actually has a pretty long reputation as an aphrodisiac because it can stimulate circulation to the pelvic area and enhance sexual vitality. Anything that's going to be circulatory in nature can be good for that. I do like to warn people that ginger has been shown to have blood thinning properties and it can actually reduce blood pressure a little bit due to that sort of increased circulation. So there's benefits to that, particularly let's say you have something like um, arthritic joints, right? The gingerols in there can actually reduce levels of things like leukotrienes and prostaglandins that can play a role in inflammation. But because of the blood thinning properties, it can interact with certain medications. So if you are on medication for diabetes, high blood pressure, anything that's going to be blood thinning in nature, um, there may be an increased risk of bleeding. So do be careful with that and and tread lightly. Um, I think that's all I have to say about ginger. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I love about ginger. So you could take it in a tincture form. I think it's one of those things that's really great to have on hand in your sort of herbal first aid kit. It's also really nice to have, it's a super easy herb to like use fresh. You can quite literally take ginger root and slice it up, put it in your ninja bu- your ninja bullet with something like coconut water and add some fresh squeezed lime juice and literally blend it up. And then you what you can do is press out the pulp part of the ginger, right? So you're just like left with the juice. You can strain it and you can make your own fresh ginger shots at home. I do it all the time. It's literally you put everything in the blender and then you strain it out and then you add a juice so it's not so pungent and spicy for you. You can also um, chew the, the fresh root if you cut it up yourself. Um, you can apply it topically. Like, so if you take ginger root and slice it up and put it in a pan and sort of, um, add some oil in there, you can kind of make like a ginger oil and then apply it as a poultice or apply it directly to your skin. So there's a lot of things that you can do with ginger 
whether that's fresh, whether that's dried. If it's dry ginger, you can make a tea at home. Um, or you could just get a straight up tincture version of it already made at the store. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I hope that you integrate some of the ginger tincture recipes into your life and enjoy releasing what no longer serves you because the fall is such a beautiful time to do that since the leaves are doing it and nature's doing it. So take that time to just release and surrender and eliminate and clear out excess and then um, lean into a little bit of that ginger love. I hope you all have an amazing week and I will chat with you soon. Ciao. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Pew.